Hi there. I'm Susan Caruso, the founding director of Sunflower Creative Arts. In Delray Beach, we are in a lovely garden today. And you are listening to the Sunflower Bridge podcast, where we talk about being with children. So take a nice breath. Ah, let it out and smile. I'm <laughs> smiling because I have my dear friend, Laura McCoy, here. And on the celebration of our 30th anniversary, I thought it would be fun for Laura and I to talk about the very beginnings of Sunflower, which I could not have imagined at all that we would be sitting here like this in 30 years. It's a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it was not, Sunflower was not fully formed in anybody's imagination. It really has grown. Um, but way, way back in 1991, 92, well, 90, not, you know. I think we should go back further. Than okay. That. Right. Where do I you want to start? We should go back to 1983. 1983, okay. In 1983, I was six months pregnant, and I didn't know anybody who had babies or little children or anything. And I was in my mid-30s, and I decided I needed to learn something. So the first thing I did was do a little research and read a little bit about la leche and breastfeeding. And I wanted to find a la leche meeting. And I did find one locally. And when I went to that meeting, <laughs> Susan was the hosting parent, the hosting mother. I was a, she well, was not I a wasn't the leader. No, I was not no, a leader yet. No, that's true. Yes. And so I met her and it was so interesting, the meeting, that I went back to every meeting after that until my children, because I ended up with two daughters, were toddlers, and Susan and I became very, very fast friends pretty soon after that very first meeting. I think the thing that tied us together was sourdough, as a matter yeah. of fact. Herman, Herman, Herman yeah. the sourdough starter. Yeah, I remember, um, it was that was in my apartment in yeah. Pompano. I was yeah. in a little apartment in Pompano. Angelo was really small. Angelo was, was toddling around in diapers. Right. Yeah. He was two, yeah. two-ish. I wasn't a La Leche League leader yet. And um, and I remember at that meeting just realizing, oh, oh, I like her. <laughs> she could be, she's my sister. I, I, I want to be with her somehow. So after a couple of meetings, I grew Herman because the Miami <laughs> Herald had an, um, a recipe for Herman. And everybody was making sourdough, and I wanted to grow Herman. But once I had Herman, I had really had no interest in doing too much with Herman. So I thought, I'll give Susan some of Herman. So I brought Susan Herman, and it was like I brought her the gift from the gods. She was so happy. So then we knew we were soul sisters. <laughs> so our friendship really all started with Herman. Herman. Trenched with Herman. <laughs> Susan had one child at that time, that little toddler, uh, Angelo, in diapers. And then I had a daughter. And from there, life just kind of went on. And then Susan had a second child, Stephen. And then I had a second daughter named Dylan. And we just kind of grew together 
with lots of other friends. We had a lot of support group from other friends. And when those children, oh, not my oldest one, I'm not sure exactly what, oh, Susan was working a multitude of jobs. Susan is a musician. And she was working a lot of music sessions at existing preschools. And birthday parties. Lots and birthday, birthday parties. parties. And too. we did Circle of Song, yeah. which was our big sing-along group. Yeah. And a group of our friends decided that they would like a kind of a preschool. And we didn't care for the offerings that were local. We weren't of the same mindset. So we had a meeting one night, all of us. Husbands, wives, I remember sitting in the, on the, in a circle on the floor. I'm not sure whose house we were in. And we said to Susan, we think that you should start a preschool. <laughs> and Susan said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and he said, no, we've talked about it without her, of course. And we think that this will work. We think it's a very good idea. She she required quite a bit of coaxing. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember being really surprised. Petrified. Like petrified, <laughs> so much so that I think I, I've, I froze all that in my memory. Just, you know, when you just said I, I got the feeling of like, what? You want me to do what? I don't, you know. We said, you know, young children, you do, you're like a Pied Piper. She's always been a Pied Piper with young children. So we said, it's going to work. And we knew that none of us wanted to have 10, 15 kids, so we knew that she was the best shot. <laughs> and we, we just said, you can do this, Susan, you can do it. And then we kind of gave her some idea on numbers and how it might be lucrative and it might be better than running all over town doing music classes in preschool she didn't like. She'd always come back and say, they were doing this and they were doing that <laughs> and they didn't talk right to the kids. And I said, so this is your chance, you know. So then from there we moved, and then I think you found the church, didn't you? Right, I did. And, and I, remember, I remember thinking, there's no way that I can do it. And I remember you talking to me a lot and just <laughs> building me up to the point where, okay, I guess I can do this. And you, you, you were very, very systematic. Because of this and because of this and because of this, you can do this. And so, yeah, then I realized I needed to stay in one spot. I was traveling through down to Broward and all over Palm Beach County. I was in a in a Jewish day school and I couldn't really support my family. I couldn't support my kids. Um, and so I needed to I needed to have a single location. She you were a single mom at this time, right? Right. I yeah. you know, it was it was ninety one that, that that kind of started to happen. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so that's exactly when it was. Yeah. Everybody had done I did mommy and me classes. So yeah. Um, and all of my friends did those with me, and uh, we used to do sing-alongs at the Better Bear, a little independent children's bookstore. So I was cobbling together, uh, you know... A, Too many gig jobs. Yeah, and did Pine Tree Camps at Lynn University yeah, as well. That's right. So I was yeah. doing all that, but then it was like, let's settle into one spot, and I'm sure you talked me into that, and, you know... Yeah. Um, and so then once we found a location where I could be still and have have people come to me, mm -hmm. then it made it much better as far as, you know, me being able to afford to even do that. 
Um, first base was just one room, wasn't it? When we started? Yeah, when we started in the um, UU church in Boca Raton, mm-hmm. they rented us, Susan, one room. Mm-hmm. It had a little rainbow in it. It was it was like the nursery for this for yeah, the church, right. and um, and we actually had circle. We continued with circle of song, mm-hmm. and we got to use the fellowship hall for that. But we had one small room, and it started out with eight kids. Eight. That's right. And um, and although I, my my youngest daughter was part of that very first group, right? Yeah, she was like the oldest in that very first group. Yeah, she and, yeah. and uh, Sarah were the oldest ones. Yeah. And um, and it was it was just me teaching, and I had parent helpers because I really based the program on Bev Boss's community preschool in Roseville, California, and it was a parent cooperative. And there are lots of parent cooperatives in California and other parts of the country at that point, and now there's very few. Yeah. And... Um, so yeah, so we, we had, started we with had kind of a eight. different philosophy about how children should be treated, you know, small children, big children, small children. And we felt that the parent co-op would allow us to guide other people that weren't part of our immediate group in this kind of unusual, not unusual, but not the alternative for, yeah, for the day. Simple, very simple philosophy. It's really just built on respect, respect and the child. I remember so clearly the two of us talking. You know, we, we, we kind of hashed it out and, and said, what is the basis? What is, what is the first thing? Yeah. And we came, you know, way back then. And, you know, respect for the individual is one of our pillars and the first pillar. And um, so we really whittled away and said, if you don't have respect, you can't have love. If you don't, you know, and just figured that's it. That's the that's the basis. And I had been doing parenting classes with Dinkmeyer, and I was so grounded in that whole philosophy that it just came so easy to, you know, want to share that. What was Dinkmeyer's um, parenting? What was it called? It was the STEP program. Right. Systematic Training, training for, for Effective Parenting. parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great. It was absolutely great. It was, uh, you know, 100% positive. And I was part of his con- his test group on the book that they wrote. So I learned so right. much directly from him. And it was based And it was based on, on Hein Gannat. It yeah. was based on yeah. Hein Gannat. Um, how and to talk so how to talk so kids will listen, listen so kids will talk. And that's Heim Gannat. Heim Gannat was the grandfather. And Dinkmeyer, along with, um, there's another there's another Dry, psychologist. Dreyer? Dreyer? I can't quite remember his name. Started right. The one before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a few, yeah, there are a few few people that were heading in that direction. But I, I really think that we can credit Heim Gannat with, yeah. with, the, with a gentler guy, um, a gentler, kinder, more respectful way of being How with children. How do you children. spell G-I-N-O-T-T. Yeah, I think his books are still available. Oh, yeah, no, I still, I, you know, it's, it's required reading for all my teachers between parent and child. And this is not about preschools, but it's about relationships with children. That's all. You know, how to talk to children, how to be with children, how to, how to care about children. As far as the preschool, now you a little bit about, about boss. It's so interesting because I'm just realizing that, you know, with me being a parent, I knew what not to do, but I didn't know what to do because I didn't have that model. And so when it came to 
preschool, I was in many different preschools, and I knew what not to do. Yeah. I didn't know what to do until you introduced me to Bev Boss. And um, I had to do, uh, you know, I was in a, in a Jewish day school. I was teaching Mommy and Me, and I was doing music classes for all of the kids in the school. And um, they had gotten a flyer, you know, professional development down in Miami. You know, we need to send somebody for this. And it was Bev Boss. Lord had just given me Bev Boss's book. I, I went to Minnesota, where my husband is from, to spend a week with his sister. And we took, um, I had two children now. One of them was all maybe almost five. And the other one is five years older, so she was 10. So we took them to the Science Museum in Minneapolis. And in the store, after we went through the museum, I was just looking at books. And I found Bev Boss's books. Please don't move your muffin tin. It was the first else. one, you know, um, maybe before the basics, maybe that was Ah, uh, that was it. Yeah, you know, because it was basics. Don't Move the Muffin Tins was the first one. And it really was Bev Boss explained how she wanted to be. And I, I didn't know anything, teacher. who she was or anything about it, but I just flipped through the book in the store and I said, I got a feeling about this. <laughs> so I bought both books and I didn't, I didn't really read them. I just said to Susan, read these. You know, I got a feeling you're going to like these. And I can't remember, I think that you gave me the books and I had them. I hadn't really looked at it. I got the flower and I, I said, Bev Boss, wait, Laura just gave me books by Bev Boss. Yeah. And you may know, you all may know the story that, you know, yeah, Bev Boss is my soul sister. She was, she, sadly, she died a few years ago, but um, her, her preschool was the model for Sunflower's Seedlings program. And um, now people say, well, what would Susan do? <laughs> but we remember when they say, what would Bev do? <laughs> yeah, and all across the country, um, Bev Bus did seed lots and lots of wonderful preschool programs and, you know, trained teachers. So lots of people that are out there um, are coming from coming from her, from her seed, from her wonderful sunflower seed. Um, so we started in one room with eight kids, and we had one parent helper. And I, the image that I have in my mind is um, the kids had, had put yarn all, all in every corner of the room, and I had a dad, and it, this was very unusual for those days back in 1992, to have a dad be so involved with, with a child's early education. Um, but he was the helper. It was, it was Max Berkowitz's dad. And, um, and he was crawling underneath, you know, the, he said, hey, hey, how can I get over here? You know, and the kids say, you have to crawl through. And it was like a spider web. <laughs> and of course, that still happens today with tape and with yarn and with string. And um, so it was a wonderful first year. Over that year, the numbers grew and we doubled it. By the end of the year, I think that we had 16 children. And so I knew that this is, this is more than I can do. We were only doing two or three mornings a week at that point. And um, so I knew that I needed to have, have help. I needed to have another teacher. But who's the other teacher that I can have that has the same philosophy as I do and, and all of that? And, um, and it, was, uh, it was only Shelley Zacks who yes. was our good friend. She was in our group. She has had a master's had, in education and yeah, special she had education in uh, Waldorf. Right. She. Yep. Yes. Definitely. And um, so Shelley, I invited Shelley to be on board as the second ever 
seedlings. I was you? I wasn't I was working. And you were and you were you also that's, that, I, that's why I wasn't there. The kind of cool thing is that that my group we did have a lot of educators yeah. and and innovative educators and Laura led the group with you know she would bring all of the books so we had we yeah, had our thing library. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you did. You you yeah. turned us on to not only cooking things but all the educational yeah. things. And we talked philosophy and thought about it and really, you know, um, had huge discussions. We'd meet at the park every day, mm -hmm. a whole big group of us. And um, I was and working in a it. very convenient place. I was working in my husband's business. So <laughs> I was able to take hours off at a time if I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you did, you had many years of teaching yeah. under your belt. Yeah, I too. taught before, before having children, I taught. I had a teaching degree also. But so we just, I kind of was in the same place you were. I knew what I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. I knew what I didn't like, you know, from being in the school system. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yeah. back then, oh, some teachers would look at <laughs> back in the, in the 80s and, the, and then the 90s as being like the dream time <laughs> compared to where we are now, <laughs> the, the academics mm -hmm. being pushed to so, so young. Um, and teachers majorly stressed in, in all the ways. Um, Susan is petting my dog in case this, this is coming across as strange arm movements. I yeah. have a Rottweiler standing Abby next to her. <laughs> Abby's here. Um, so we had the luxury of time to really talk about it and solidify how we, the, yeah. the parents that we wanted to be. And that's what we hope to give um, the parents that are part of the Sunflower programs. You know, we want to support you in following your heart. And, uh, and we did that for ourselves. And we had that time to really feel solid about, you know, about what, how we felt about play, mm -hmm. how we felt about child-directed, child-led uh, play, about the language to mm -hmm. use. So everything, everything, it was really developed at that it, time. It, it, and it kept evolving. And I always think about something that changed in Sunflower for the better. In the beginning, we didn't really know what to do with the kids all the time. We want to know, to, you know, so do you remember when we did all the holidays? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. We, we, <laughs> we always... All these activities. We were very play, nature, arts-based, yeah. always. But in the beginning, <laughs> we all, and, and we, we figured it out after a year or two. Yeah, we would do us too long. Yeah, but, but we would do... We would do... Structured holidays. Hanukkah. Yeah. We would do Mexican Christmas. We would do um, Santa Lucia it, Day. Yeah, we thought it afforded us a structured activity and an artwork thing we do. And I, I moved. I moved in 1995 up to Massachusetts. When I left, activities were still being done. And after a year or two, I asked Susan about it, and she said, oh, we don't do those anymore. The kids can't be bothered with us. They don't want to stop and do what we want. So we just let them be, you know. <laughs> so yeah, and that's the key thing about any any program. I think that it needs to evolve, and we we've evolved. We we're continuously it's still evolving. Evolving. It's only a few yeah. years ago that you took the chairs away from the table. This is true. You know, yeah, <laughs> you about know. five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> five years ago, and we've been around now for thirty years, right? Yeah. Yep. So it took twenty five years for us to figure out. Get rid of the chairs. The chair, they don't want to sit at the table. They want to stand at the table. So, okay, get rid of the chairs. And the movement and the way they can, the yeah. way they have access to things. And then you got under the table. So, <laughs> yeah, and that was an experiment. We had to convince yeah, other yeah. teachers that that was a, a good thing it, to do. And, you know, you watch it and you say, wow, it worked, you know, this works. 
And we, we always ask the question, why are we doing this? And, and yeah. as parents, of course, we ask these questions too. Why are we, who is this serving? And with all those holidays, we found that it was us. It was yeah. the adults. We wanted we to do it. We were having a good time. <laughs> but it was, they were the worst days for the kids. People were getting hurt and they yeah. were crying and they were miserable. And so we just got back to, back to play. And um, so the things that we do still have um, are spaghetti day, where you swim oh, yeah. in the spaghetti, <laughs> and, um, and pajama days, where they get to be in their pajamas, and bridging day, our bridging day. So we do have, and we do None birthdays. None of those were originals. No, no, and we, we do birthday, <laughs> yeah. But our birthdays are very original. Yeah, okay. And our bridging day is pretty original, too, but the general idea of it, yeah. But, I mean, they weren't original till the first year or the second year or the third year, were they? they took um, birthdays were birthdays were always. Ice Castle was always from that very first day? year. Spaghetti Day took a little bit of time, but it was pretty, it was pretty early on. And Pajama Day was pretty early on, too. Maybe you should say what Spaghetti Day is about. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we always get spaghetti really on sale or spaghetti that wouldn't be sold anyway. Um, but it's a ridiculously fun thing to do. Um, what we do is we have the parents make lots of pounds of spaghetti. I'm talking, you know, three or four pounds each. So we have, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds of spaghetti. <laughs> and... Um, and the kids wear their bathing suits, and the parents make the spaghetti and put just a little bit of canola oil or corn oil or something like that in it, and put it in a bag, and bring it in that the morning of spaghetti day. And um, the first thing that we do is we put the kids in the pool, in pools, so kitty pools, kitty pools, plastic kitty pools. We put the kids in the pools, and. Um, and we go through the rules, which is, you know, not to, you know, can you eat the spaghetti? No, why not? Because we're sitting in it. It's dirty. And we have a different shape pasta that they can, that we feed to them like little birdies. We put them in a cup and then they can have that. And so we put the kids, kids in the pool. Then we put the spaghetti on top of the kids just with the oil on it. And there's lots of squealing. You, could, of course, can choose to do that or not to do it. Some kids don't want to have any clothes on. They have bathing suits on. Bathing suits. Yeah, okay. not shoes. Their shoes are, the shoes are off. Mm. Um, and then after a while of playing in the spaghetti like that, we add water. And um, so then it's, it's water. Swimming in the spaghetti. Literally swimming in spaghetti. <laughs> and uh, we've done it a lot of different ways, but that's how, we, how we're doing it now. And then they move, when they're done swimming in the spaghetti, they move to a soapy, a soapy, a soapy pool. pool. And so that's really fun. So yeah. It's a the, highlight of the year for the kids. We didn't do it during COVID, and they were really sad. Last year was the first year we went back to actually doing that. So um, so it's evolved to better meet the needs of the children. And we do always ask that question, why are we doing this? And, and especially moving, or why aren't we? Yeah. That's yeah, that's true. another one. Why aren't we doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And the parents have... You know, have made suggestions, and teachers come and they have suggestions. Mainly, it's the kids that we're following. We see what it is that they need. When we first started, we were a small group of eight, and we grow slowly. We never divided the ages, did we? No, no. It was always, and I insisted on that that it be a mixed age grouping, kind of a Montessori of, type mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. Three, four, five year olds. Yeah is what we wanted to have. 
And a mix of genders as well. Yeah, a mix of genders, mix of ages. We also didn't, as we grew, now you have more people, more adults involved. We never assigned groups or classes. The kids are always able to move together. And they move now and present. Well, even going back, they move inside and outside as they choose. It's Florida. You know, I went to Massachusetts. We couldn't do this in this way. And they so, but the adults stay pretty much in one place or the other. So they would move outside to where those adults were, inside to where those adults were. But they, they never, no one ever navigates them. Right. It's themselves. not like a teacher has a group yeah. of kids that they're responsible for, all the teachers. Mm-hmm. And we have four teachers to 25 kids. Mm-hmm. It didn't take too long for us to get, get start getting those numbers. Yeah. Um, and another thing that we did early on is we offered lots of different schedules mm-hmm. um, when we were at the church. And we that found was a change too, though. Yeah. In the beginning, we we let the parents kind of choose what they wanted to do, and some parents wanted to do three days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Other parents wanted to do two due days, Tuesday, Thursday. Remember this? And it took us a while, and we said this isn't really working for the kids. Mm-hmm. Parents like that; they like the idea of you know spreading it out and have something to do every other day kind of thing, but the kids didn't handle it so well. They no, didn't. they need consecutive days. Yeah, they want to so get up better. Because the play continues. Yeah. So you're right. That's I had forgotten. That was a big change, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we thought about it, we talked about it, we talked about it, and we kept saying, we thought, well, maybe the parents won't come if we don't let them have Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then we got to the point where we said, it's so much better for the kids because we had some kids that were doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, we didn't have Monday. kids. Yeah. Right, right. And um, we had some kids doing five days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they, was, they, would, they benefited so much from the continuity of it that we said, if the parents don't want to be with us because we, they can't split the days, then they have to find somewhere else to go because our, our purpose is to serve the needs of the kids. Yeah. An interesting change. Mm-hmm. Then... In the in and this was still in the early years. Yeah, really in the early years with us finding our way, and um, and it was a very alternative program. So parents would search us out, and it was especially we hard didn't. even to search us out because we were back behind a church, <laughs> <laughs> and there was no internet. Right, it was a little difficult, mm-hmm. and we really had no guides to go by in regards to this, like the continuity of the days we were making our own because reading because Beth Voss was doing it it that same way but we we talked about it a lot and said this doesn't make any sense who who is this serving yeah and we decided again lots of times we we decide that if it's serving the adults then that's not where we are that's not what we need to do we need to meet the needs of the children and so those consecutive days and there was at one point at the church that we we didn't offer anything except for three mornings and we never yet offered afternoons. It was just just three mornings, and um, and then we did other programs on Mondays and Fridays. It was kind of like it followed a pattern with Malachi League too, because in Malachi League everybody does their meetings in the morning. And do you remember way back we said, "What about all these parents that are working?" Right, because our Malachi League who's serving their mm-hmm, needs. Mm-hmm. So we started running the Malachi League meetings, meetings at night. It's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that was. At that time, 
in in the uh, you know the mid eighties there and early nineties there was a big shift a lot more people because of the economy yeah a lot more working. women were going back to work mm-hmm. and um, so yeah we were one of the few we yeah. were probably the only group we were in in South doing Florida that was meetings. doing night meetings yeah. and really supporting whatever it was that the parents wanted so yeah. I think that that's true that we've we've been real focused on the children at Sunflower and real focused on what the parents need as well. Yeah. And that continues. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so let's see, what else do we want to say about, um, about those early well, We do days. want to say we took a second room at the church after a few years. Well, yes, it's and, true. And busted a hole through the wall, if I remember right. Didn't they take us through? I think that there was a door there because it was too... I'm not sure now. Oh, we had to, they, they took the wall down. Yeah, you but know. you could pass through those. That's true. No problem at all. That's true. Yeah. We grew mm-hmm. and we had to take over a second room. And everything was okay for well, a while. What it ended up being, we moved from that little rainbow room. Uh, there was a bigger space uh-huh. that was two rooms, I oh. think. We, we took yeah. out the wall or, or maybe there was a doorway there. What I do remember was that there was shag carpeting in oh, there. Yeah. And so <laughs> Shelly Shelley and I and, and a bunch of parents, we pulled that carpeting up because there's nothing worse than like carpeting <laughs> with when you're when you're going out. And and having those two spaces enabled us to go out into oh, out into right the play the yard. Yeah. Um and um, so, so when, when was it that you left the church and, and moved into your own space? That, that was, you know, after 22 years. Wow. But a lot happened in that time period. Yeah. So I want to I kind of wrap up this very early part of being at the church. We, we moved from one helper to two helpers uh-huh. a, a day, uh, parent helpers. It was a responsibility of the parents to come on board. Um, we did. All, I'll save talking about snack for the the next time. Okay. Uh, the next. Session. Oh, that's true. Snack went through some. Snack went through lots of evolutions lots of as well. Evolutions, yeah. yeah. And it was kind of early on, um, in that time. I mean, even even just you know agreeing with what our philosophy really was. I needed to. I couldn't articulate it. I remember just crying to Shelley. I said, "No, that's." That's not it. That's Walter. That's not what I'm trying to. And I couldn't articulate it. And so that was a, a big project for us to do, to be able to do that. I took Shelley down to be with Bev. And once, and so that really, you know, hammered in the idea of it's all about experience, experiential learning. You can talk about it until you're blue in the face, but if you don't have the experience or see something like that in operation, and that really came into play years later when we decided that we needed to have our own space, that whole idea. Um, so we, you know, we had a program with two parent helpers, two teachers, um, a lot of love, a lot of experimenting, um, beautiful times. And a lot of those families are still involved in mm-hmm. some way. Um, and I'm friends with those, those fresh kids. Yeah. including your daughter, yeah. who is now a mom. And so lots of them are parents with their own children. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's amazing. So I don't know, let's see, what else do you want to say about those early days? Then you moved away, and then I was very sad <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> I had to go. <laughs> but we also, before you left, we started doing theater. Oh, um, yes. In, in the church, 
We did only a little bit of theater in the space where we are now um, because we really needed children's to focus. Theater. Children's theater. Children's, yeah. So the very first um, show, we'll have to, I'll have to talk about that in a different, in a different <laughs> podcast. But we did, we did children's theater. We had, we still had, um, we did the you did Shakespeare. Yeah, that was quite a, that was later. But, but those early years were really solidifying the program making the connection with Bev Boss and um, and Shelly and I actually we flew to California to do a good stuff for kids conference with Bev Boss and that was very very enlightening I remember um, the two of us just kind of crying because we thought we thought we were hot hot stuff <laughs> we thought we knew it all we were like you know oh we know we're we're great we know all of the stuff and um, we got called called out on it you know or we called ourselves out on it because we you know going to that conference took us deeper into the philosophy the whys and the science backing it up and um so we realized oh we we don't know everything and that humbled us and made us open to to more better ideas yeah for sure so i think that you know there we were in the in the church Um, yeah, we're wrapping up. We're wrapping mm. up this, and we did do our bridging ceremony with with some blocks that went out into a butterfly garden uh, with lots of caterpillars and things. And what is the bridging ceremony all about? Um, it's a rite of passage, you know, going over the bridge off into new adventures, moving from seedlings into and the seedlings grow beyond seedlings. Right, and at that time it really was five, yeah. and the age has has shifted a little bit. Over the years, older, yes, older, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are parents in Florida. You don't actually have to be in elementary right. school until you're seven. Mm-hmm. So there are parents that have chosen to keep their kids in Sunflower just a little bit longer, so before somebody assigns homework. <laughs> yeah, they have to sit still and we'll be have quiet. To talk in, in another podcast, we'll talk about academics too. Right, academics lots to talk about. Preschooler. Yeah, <laughs> but here is we're celebrating thirty years. Um, we're just really excited to uh, to take that little walk down memory lane. And I'm so glad to have you. Really, Sunflower would not exist if I hadn't been friends with Laura because I had zero confidence, and she boosted me up and. Uh, Really, really fed me. You were perfect. You were the Pied Piper. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us in this first um, celebration of the 30th anniversary. Thank you, Laura. Welcome. Pierce McCoy, my dear friend. (laughs) And, um, you know, we should should bust out our Herman sourdough starter again. (laughs) Okay, Uh, everyone. Okay, thank you. Next time. We will... um, we will see you next time. Uh, let us know how you feel. If you have any questions about our 30 years, um, comments or celebrations, we do have a very fun event coming up on November 4th, our very first Eat, Play, Give a celebration, our 30th anniversary, and it will be our annual celebration. So think about joining us if you're local, and there are lots of ways that you can help support us if you aren't local. So check out our website, sunflowercreativearts.org. Okay. I want to thank um, Jill and Rich Slicer for their support of the, of the Sunflower Bridge podcast. And um, we will see you next time.